We're four teaching friends from across the country. Who've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Retta. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. And you know what's really hard this week? Oh, teaching about the election without any political bias. This is a tough year, ladies. You know we all have opinions. Everybody has chosen a side, pretty much. And our job, which is supposed to be neutral, can be so difficult. We're not really supposed to talk about religion, sex, politics. But what do you do when a child asks you a question about these subjects or simply makes a comment? How do you handle that? I don't know. Should you ignore it or just go on to something else? Sometimes I turn it around and I say to them, well, what do you think? That's a, that's a really good way to deal with it. Yeah. Well, and asking them to provide that evidence. What made you think that? I mean, they're used to doing that about everything else we teach with them. (laughs) Right. To, To maybe pull yourself back from it and use the same strategies that you would use for teaching any difficult subject, for reacting to any difficult situation. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Just lead them to the, you know, right types of um, discussion and decisions rather than actually letting them know how you feel personally. Or there's always the old distraction where you could say, oh, why don't we talk about this instead? (laughs) (laughs) Because I did that. I was volunteering last week and a political discussion started at one of the tables. And I said, that's a really beautiful leaf that you've done. Would you show me the technique that you used in there? (laughs) That's kind of cheating. I know. I know. That's kind of like ignoring the elephant or the donkey in the room, right? Right. Look at that cute little mouse in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So what are some ways that we can handle teaching about the election? Like, how are we going to handle this? You know, after you're done teaching about the voting and the political structure in our, in our country and the electoral college and, and all of that jazz, um, what's next? What can you do to prep kids for the election, to, for them to understand what's going on and what they're seeing? One of my favorite ways is to choose a voting issue um, that's appropriate for the age group that I'm teaching, um, a, a voting issue that maybe my kids can identify with. Um, not all voting issues are appropriate. You know, I teach fifth grade. Not all voting issues are appropriate for fifth graders, but there are some that are. Um, even just talking about how, you know, schools and schools and how they're funded and, and how that's something that someone might, like me, might pay attention to or someone who has children might pay attention to at a state level or a federal level or a, even a, a local um, county level. Um so, so looking at things like that, um, talking about the candidates, 
um, one of my favorite things to do for election is to look at um, ads and look at how text is angled and how people use um, persuasion and argument. Um, and to be able to look at, you know, how, how, look at that candidate's ad. What are they doing to try and angle what they're saying to convince someone that they need to vote for them? If you hear that squeaking, that's because my dog, Gracie, just discovered a squeaky toy. <laughs> I thought there was a baby there. I was so excited. <laughs> she came into the room and I'm watching her going, oh, you're going to do it, aren't you? And yep. <laughs> Tracy, I'd like to go back even a step further. I love your idea of um, showing them some political ads and, you know, how they're made and how how all that ties ties together. Um, But I like maybe because I always taught a year younger than than you're doing now, fourth grade. um, I'd like to go back and figure out some issues that are important to them right at their level, like more recess time, less homework. Yeah. Um, salad bar or juice bar in the cafeteria or whatever, you know, things that might be important to them. Um, access to my special writing materials, who gets to use the glitter pens and when. Right. Uh, those, those are all things that, that are important to kids. And, um, and then I like to try debating and actually having some mock elections and mm-hmm. making some uh, mock political ads too. let them advertise, let them build a campaign. Yeah. And in that way, they have a safe, neutral kind of format for learning to deal with these issues. And then, you know, if you add a little bit more on each year as they get older, what do we have? Rational adults who know how to judge the issues and vote. What could be better? Well, and as you're talking, too, I was thinking, you know, even like talk about voting. Um, one thing that all kids can identify with is something like student council elections. So what if someone said to you at your school level that, you know what, this certain population of students, they don't get to vote or it's going to be harder for them to vote. Um, so having social justice conversations like that, too, like what is the big deal about voting? Right. Um, right. Why is that an important? Look, right. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say you want them to look at it as it is their right and it is the privilege that that they're able yes. to vote and have a say in things, and why you cannot not vote and then complain about results. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. right. It's our right as part of our democracy. We have to vote, and our vote is important. And I think that's also a good thing to let them know. Mm-hmm. Right. I love and, what you said, though, Retta, about, um, you know, starting off without the political issues, but just issues that are important to kids. Uh-huh. And then, Tracy, I kind of do what you what you said also is, you know, we examine both sides. I have the kids start to do some research. So it's mm-hmm. not it doesn't become a you versus them kind of mentality. It's like these are the facts. Let's look at them. And then also to look at the ads and see if you just listen to one side of the ads, you'd be right for that at that that party or whatever it is, that issue. But then you listen to the other one, you're like, wait a second, this sounds really good too. Mm-hmm. So just the, teaching the importance of knowing facts. Weighing both sides of the issue. Yes. You know what? You just made me think of those, um, the fairy tale trials. Yeah. Oh, those I that. Yes. Oh my gosh. All the way up to, through fifth grade. Yeah. I think there's so much value in that. Absolutely. But, 
you know, I remember my second grade class wanted to uh, definitely condemn Jack from the Beanstalk. Yes. Yes. Right? They said he yeah. was he stole from they they couldn't get over that. Yeah. He stole from the giant. There right. is, there are a couple of great if any of you out there follow um uh, making thinking visible, visible thinking routines, there are a couple um, thinking routines that are fabulous to use when you're teaching about the election. So there's one called the circle of viewpoints. So imagine taking that issue that you've been talking about with the kids that's appropriate for them and then having them take, you know, listen to the different viewpoints around that issue and that circle of viewpoints, it, it allows them to, um, to kind of put themselves in the person's shoes and think like they would think. And then you go to the next wedge or pot mm. circle of viewpoints and do that from someone else's perspective so that all perspectives are um, examined or the perspectives of four students in your class, because they will have different opinions around the issue. So that's a really great one. Um, and you just made me think of something, the dear Mrs. LaRue books. I love that book. <laughs> that is, so great too. So use this viewpoint yes. idea as as you get into discussions about the election. I have a question though. How do you handle it if kids come in like they've seen and say they've seen protests on TV or their parents are talking about protests? Well, I think that's that? a great segue into our next topic that we're going to talk about, Retta, because um, you know we know it's important for kids. To come up with their own ideas, and we know that it's important for them to have their own ideas about politics, about leadership, and about the election. So, and and too about what they're seeing on television in terms of protests. So, how is it that we make this happen as educators? How do we make sure that kids can arrive at their own ideas and that we're we're teaching them to be thoughtful consumers of what they're seeing? Well, I think one way to deal with this is to suggest that they actually get involved because a lot of them are so interested in current events. And um, if they take some type of action, um, they feel empowered and effective and it helps them build problem solving skills. Um, so it's okay to protest. Um, it's, it's your democracy. It's your democratic right to do it, but you need to do it peacefully. And um, if it's not protesting, you know, talk about things that they can do to um, get involved and to make things better. You know, maybe the environment, they might be concerned about that. And, um, you know, possibly how could they help their family to go green at home? So let them know that any little thing they do can help. Yeah. I right. I think one thing that our kids, at least in my district, have been seeing quite often are the protests, but it's because of teachers. <laughs> we've had so <laughs> yeah. many, we've had so many um, rallies and things as we're trying to come to an agreement about our contract. So they see teachers with our picket signs, um, mm -hmm. you know, and leafleting, like giving out flyers to parents and wearing buttons that say, ask me about, yep. why, you know, why oh, I'm willing yeah. to strike. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a good way. <laughs> it's a good talking point too, that, you know, that standing up peacefully for what we believe in. And that's what these protests that you also might see, um, you know, there was, there's been so many marches, like quite an, quite a few of our students I know were involved in the women's march. Um, so that I, you know, they're seeing a lot that I don't recall seeing growing up. No, we didn't. 
Right. And, and well, some of us well, did yes. a little, little demonstrating in college. We, I won't mention who no. at the moment, <laughs> but um, I, I, it, it's something that's, that's our right as citizens. If you mm-hmm. don't agree with something, you should have a voice and peaceful protests is a way, is a way to, you know, um, make your voice heard mm-hmm. I also see- in some way. And, and possibly an idea is to maybe stage a protest within your classroom about an issue that kids care about, but not a political issue at the moment. I also think you know, like the whole thing of protests is it's really important for kids to, to have a sense to help them develop a sense that they matter, that their voice yes. matters. I mean, when you think about what we see all over the country, um, the suicide student rate, the isolation that so many of our kids feel, and and with that, I think is coupled a sense of hopelessness. And so mm-hmm. what we do, our work around this as teachers, regardless of our political affiliation or our beliefs, our first and foremost work needs to be those children. Those children need to be the center, and they have to be able. They have to have a sense that what that their voice matters in this world. It's and also. I was going to say also that it's okay for them to disagree because we, we're not all the same and everybody has different opinions. It's just the way you deal with those opinions, you know, yes. and they need to learn that. Well, and then we like, I like to do some lessons too, just on values, on what is your value? Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not as the teacher saying we all have to have the same values, but you have to know what you believe in. And then along with that, well, which issues fall on the side that you believe in? Like, what do you want in your world, you know, and that's, that's, those are big concepts for kids, especially younger ones. They are. Mm -hmm. And another book that I know I I recommended, and we were talking about books for starting the year, and it may or may not be out of print, but you can find, um, I found a video on YouTube, actually, that had the whole text of the book. And it it was um, Shiver, Gobble, and Snore. And it's, and it's really um, about how to handle political disagreements. It's about three, three friends who live in this wild land where the king makes all the rules and decides everything, even if the rules don't make sense, like rules, rules about noses and rules about roses and rules about when you can <laughs> sleep and rules about when you can wake up. And, you know, and, and it's like these three friends think this is ridiculous and they decide to go off and live by themselves in a place where there aren't any rules. And before long, they start coming into conflict with each other. Shiver's always cold. Gobble's always hungry. Snore is always sleepy. Um, shiver builds a fire outside. Look, look it sounds fantastic. It, does. it is. It's really good. And and so, you know, they have to come to an agreement. And it's a great model, I think. It seems like it'd be a great book to read now with your kids, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that takes us to this. You talked about disagreements, and with those disagreements, I know we as adults are swirling in a pool of ugliness. Our political scene right now is very ugly. So how do we avoid the ugliness of politics? How do we tackle the difficult questions? Or when a child comes into school upset about what they've heard? And unfortunately, some of them, um, if they're minorities, might also be upset about what was aimed at them. So how how do we how do we handle that? 
Well, I think one of the things um, that we talk a lot about, especially in our morning meetings, is just how to treat people in general. You know, how to be kind to each other. That means kind if you have differing opinions. It means kind if you don't like the results. Mm-hmm. It means kind if, uh, you know, because I, I know it got very heated a couple years ago in my class and we had so many discussions just about, regardless, this is how we treat everyone in our classroom. And this is how, um, how we can state our opinion without bulldozing over others and without being a bully um, and just focus more on our human qualities. It's like a great teaching moment for the kids to help them learn how to voice their differences with respect and conviction. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and that morning meeting, what a, what a great tool because you're giving your kids strategies to um, have each other's back strategies on how to respond when they are encounter when they encounter a bully, um, when they see bullying happen, when they see inappropriate things happen, they can talk about issues like that in their morning meeting and go out there and face the world a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting is not just with um, political bullying, <laughs> but kids have come back yeah. when we've focused on bullying and um, have said like the bad examples that they've seen in sports on TV. Ah, yes. And how coaches react or how people, you know, or they see it at their own sporting games that they participate in. Um, and they said, you know, that's not, that's not how you're supposed to speak to people or that I said, you're right. I'm, you know, I'm glad you noticed that. And I'm glad you won't do something like that. Right. 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 You, you see, really it, the coaches bother me even more than the players sometimes. Yes. Yeah. It's um, terrible. You see these highly paid sought after successful people acting in a way that you would not want your eight or nine year old to act. And, and what's wonderful about that is sometimes it's not professional sports where students see that. Sometimes it's not the athletes where students see that. Sometimes that's the, the parents sitting on the bleed. Oh, yes. Yes. My, oh, that's right. That's my father's getting into physical fist fights, right? Oh, imagine if you yeah. front load the appropriate behavior is to the child and it's their parent who's losing their crap at the, at the game, right? You know, they lost their mind. Um, it's yeah. yeah, and how and how do you, as a friend of that child, but you're a child yourself, how do you deal with mm-hmm. that? And yeah. how does and, and and how does that child? I mean, does that child school their parent because they've been schooled by you? Let's hope, hey, <laughs> out of the mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's tricky too because yeah, if a if a parent has that kind of violent um, attitude within them. You can't expect a child to, you know, to, unless it's by something subtle right. that they say. Or, yeah. You know. And we can only hope to tricky. model that in our own classrooms. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Very important. Yeah. Because they really are seeing tough things on TV and everywhere they look now. So. So the best way we can help with strong feelings and emotions around the election or what they're hearing is to listen. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm provide some reassurance and provide some perspective from their point of view at whatever is age appropriate. Mm -hmm. And ask them how they would act differently. What would they do? Yes. Right. If you didn't like what you saw, what would you do instead? Mm -hmm. I love that. Ladies, are you giving your number one tips right now? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Oh, those were good. Oh, okay then. Let's do it. <laughs> Go there. Ladies, 
number one tips for teaching about the election. <laughs> well, listen and, and lead them in the right direction without showing your bias. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I have to echo that, that listening again and give them a safe place to talk and to ask questions and just to, to provide some reassurance to them. Yes. And I think to that modeling, uh, how to voice your differences of opinion with respect and strength and conviction. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important to give kids the structure to explain their thinking. And so asking questions like, well, why do you think that? Tell me more about that, right? Sets the stage that what they have to say is important, that you're going to listen, but they also need to be thoughtful about it. They need to back it up with fact. Absolutely. Right. And well, that way too, Tracy, they're not just parroting what they've heard from their parents. Right but coming to their own conclusions. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's how we raise future citizens. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all we have time for, guys. But we hope that you will join us next week. We'll be exploring our new attitudes of gratitudes. Hey, I haven't sung in a while. I'm thinking about you know that Patty oh. LaBelle song. I got a new attitude. We got an attitude of gratitude. We're going to about um, ways to teach your students about gratitude and generosity. Um, We hope you'll join us. Be sure to subscribe to We Teach So Hard. Give us a rating or better yet, give us a shout out and comment and tell us what you think. Um, Join us our Facebook group. You can also check us out on our blogs. Um, Just check out our program notes. Until next time, keep it real. 